Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Andy Murray and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So the US Open has come to an end. Catherine Whitaker and myself, David Law, are now back in the UK, jet lagged, napping every 10 minutes, but still keeping a very close eye on tennis as the Davis Cup weekend is about to take place. And Carlos Ramos, who we've been talking about so much, is about to umpire United States against Croatia over the weekend quite extraordinary set of circumstances really quite ironic and uh, he was spotted today in conversation with Katrina Adams who was so critical of him over the previous weekend and so I've taken the opportunity and been lucky enough to speak to Enric Molina today former chair umpire he umpired the 2005 Men's US Open final between Roger Federer and Andre Agassi, the 2008 Australian Open Women's final between Maria Sharapova and Anna Ivanovic, also the 2010 Australian Open Men's Singles final, Roger Federer against Andy Murray, and also the 2012 Wimbledon Men's Singles final between Murray and Federer. So great experience Enrique has had. Also four Davis Cup finals, a couple of Olympic finals. He's been he was professional between nineteen ninety seven and twenty fourteen. He was the head of officiating at the ITF for three years. So really who better to speak to about the situation that Carlos Ramos found himself in, the measures he took, whether he, as a chair umpire himself, agrees with them. These are all the questions that I wanted to ask. So I was happy enough to, to be able to speak to to Enrique. Uh, on the Tennis Podcast, which is brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Amazon Prime Video UK, who brought you the US Open and will be bringing you the Labour Cup over the weekend of 21st to the 23rd of September. They've got global streaming rights. 200 countries will have access to the Labour Cup on Amazon Prime Video. So uh, so do tune into that. But for now, here is Enrique Molina on the Tennis Podcast. Well, Enrique, it's lovely to have you here with us on the Tennis Podcast. Uh, you and I have known each other a, a long time, and uh, this is the first time I've had a chance to speak to you officially, partly because back in the day when you were a, a chair umpire, you, you wouldn't have been allowed to speak on the record in, in this sort of way. And I imagine watching the events of the weekend, you, you would have 
a lot would have been going through your your mind. What, perhaps you could give us an idea what it was like to to watch it unfold. Of course, that's correct, and I'm and I'm glad that uh, that I'm I'm able to speak with you again, but now on an unofficial status. Uh, yeah, of course, you know I I watched it and you know and I followed a little bit uh, the controversy from the from the weekend. I think it was all in all, it was a very, very unfortunate situation for that to happen on a Grand Slam final is, 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 is unusual. And the fact that Serena, you know, as one of, if not the greatest champion, women champion, you know, of all time playing home soil, you know, that made it uh, even bigger. My, my view is that, um, judging it from a, from an officiating point of view, Carlos's job was immaculate. I have to say, was a uh, was really both from a technical and I think a communication perspective was a uh, an excellent job. I have to say, uh, under very very difficult circumstances. For me, and perhaps we we're gonna get into details uh, later on. But um, for me, the the sad thing was uh, a couple of things. One, let's not forget that the events that happened overshadowed a great win, a fantastic story of a young woman winning her first Grand Slam title at 20 years old. It was a fantastic, uh, fantastic effort and, and a great story that we should, the sport should be talking about instead of uh, this controversy. So that's the number one issue I have. <laughs> and, and number two was, uh, was sad. I mean, it was, it was a sad response, uh, I think, by the governing bodies. Uh, not to support the the job, the excellent job of the of the umpire. So these these for me are the two main issues um, of of the events on Saturday. Well, I think that's very well said, um, very clear. Let let's let's go into some detail now and and go through these 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 situations one at a time, and we'll also address the the governing body's responses. But first of all, the the initial warning was given for coaching. Mm-hmm. What was your view of the invoking of that rule, the the application of that rule? Because I spoke to Patrick Moritoglu straight after the match. He mm-hmm. he admitted he had uh, made some signals. We saw them in in video footage as well. Serena Williams suggested that she just didn't see them, that she well wasn't interested in receiving them, and 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 doesn't cheat, and therefore. It wasn't coaching in her view. So, so what was your view? Is it was that a completely correct application of that rule? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you, you you rightly pointed out that the the main issue of um, you know that triggered uh, the uh, the rest of the event was that Serena took it as someone was saying Carlos in this case was saying that she was cheating. It was uh, far from that. The umpire happened to to see clear communication. From the coach to the to the player, it doesn't really matter. I mean, in terms of the ruling, it doesn't really matter if the uh, if the player receives that message. But there there was definitely a message uh, confirmed by Patrick uh, later on. There was a, a a coaching message that was witnessed by by the umpire. So the umpire really couldn't do anything else than going uh, through the code of conduct. Now I don't know. I haven't spoken with Carlos, of course, and uh, I I don't know if uh, if there was a prior communication. Sometimes because I, I I've I've heard well some views former players etc that they said oh he was too harsh the umpire should have given a soft warning first. I don't know if he did that. I don't know if he had an opportunity for that. There are times and I I remember very well when I was in the chair. There are times that you try to in in certain scenarios not as clear as that one <laughs> because that was a clear cut 
a perfect example of uh, of coaching. In some cases, you can sort of exchange eye contact with a coach or with a player, but you also have to take into consideration the moment, how the player is going to react to that tough warning, because it can be a worse recipe than just uh, you know issuing a quote. It's not more than that. It was not more than than that. A, a warning for coaching, a clear, I think, a clear coaching admitted by by Patrick. I mean, there's there there has been also the debate about. Oh, this is not right. Coaches should be allowed, and of course, they've been testing it for some time. And most recently at the U.S. Open Qualies, as you know. Uh, but that's that's out of the uh, the question, the discussion. I mean, the umpire has to follow the rules that that he has at the moment. So in that particular tournament, in that particular match, I mean, he followed the the rules hundred uh, percent. So I don't think there is there should be any debate. Particularly when the when the coach himself uh, admitted that he he was coaching, right? When you say that that sometimes you you can give a soft warning in those sort of situations, I guess depending on the type of situation and the and the type of coaching going on, what would you do? Would you speak to the player, or would you, or do do you have to go and speak to the coach and tell them not to do it? It, it, there's no really uh, a manual for that. I mean, you just, uh, with your experience, you know, you try to, if you can, uh, it's not mandatory to go through a soft warning to issue a code. Let's make that clear. But if you can, maybe you're not sure what's going on. You can have a word with the player, maybe at the changeover, uh, during points, and particularly on that, this is one of the largest uh, arenas, the biggest courts uh, in the world, as you know. And very noisy, so it, it, it's very difficult to have a, a private conversation with the player. So maybe you can exchange some uh, eye contact with the uh, with the coach uh, if you know him well, if he's looking at you. So there is a lot of uh, uh, different different options that you have. And to be honest with you, I don't know if uh, if Carlos had the opportunity to to go down that route. Um, but regardless, I think it's um, we have to we have to make clear that it's not mandatory to issue a sub warning prior to a warning an official warning okay so the second one was the racket smash and Mm -hmm. i think most people think that that was the most straightforward of Mm -hmm. of the of the code violations i don't think anybody was saying that that shouldn't have been given a code violation there was there was some dispute as to whether Serena thought that she'd come to kind of an agreement with Carlos that that no, she wasn't intending to get coached, and she thought that maybe he had decided against uh, giving the code yeah. violation after after they'd had that conversation, and then she seemed very shocked when she was docked a point. Um, what was your mm-hmm. take? Yeah, I think I think Serena probably. I mean, when it happened, when the first uh, situation, the coaching situation uh, occurred, um, she was not probably aware of the uh, potential consequences of uh, of that warning. So I don't know if, if, if it was clear in her mind that any other violation, the code of conduct, would result in a loss of a point. So when she smashed the racket, probably in her head, she thought, okay, it'll be a warning because um, she knew that she got a warning prior to to the racket abuse for for the coaching, but because she was disputing it, you know, maybe I don't know. She she got confused. It was obviously the 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 right sequence eh, and the, the right uh, actions taken by the umpire. Um, there's no dispute about the the racket abuse for sure, but it's not really an argument. There's no room for negotiation uh, between a player and a coach once uh, a coach has been uh, issued, right? So. I mean, and then, of course, the arguments, we'll probably get into that as well. I mean, the arguments were, in my opinion, completely 
out of the the question uh, um, because she was throwing in different things that were not really applying to to that discussion. So I think she got confused probably. The third one was for verbal abuse, and there were a number of things said at the time. The, mm. the two that I mean, there was there was no foul language, there was no swearing. Um, the the two words that that appear to have triggered the the verbal abuse warning were calling Carlos a liar and mm-hmm. calling him a thief for stealing a point from her. Then that then led to code violation, verbal abuse, game penalty. Is that in accordance with how you would have seen things if you had been in the chair as well? Yeah, look, um, I think Carlos uh, was right to issue the, the game penalty for uh, verbal abuse. Uh, there was definitely the definition of verbal abuse is, is when uh, when a player in this case saying something directed, you know, abusive of course, but directed at someone. In this case, you know, directed at the umpire. You are, you know, a liar, a thief. So that's that's a clear example of a of a verbal abuse. And if you ask me personally, I think questioning uh, and accusing actually uh, the umpire of uh, being unfair, of uh, lying, of uh, stealing a match or a point or a game or whatever, it's 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 probably one of the worst things that you can say to to an umpire because you're putting into question their fairness, uh, their equality. It, it's really harsh, right? Yes, luckily there was no uh, foul language, as you say. But there was a clear verbal abuse. It could have also been issued a, a, a code for unsportsmanlike conduct. Because let's not forget, I mean, it's not just what she was saying, but the manner in she was uh, saying it. And uh, all the, I think Carlos actually was quite patient and uh, and looking at the, uh, I've watched the video uh, a few times, obviously, out of interest. But uh, it was, uh, I think Carlos really tried to defuse you know, the situation and let uh, let Serena seem off. He wasn't talking too much uh, or much at all, actually, during that changeover that led to the um, game penalty because because he wanted to the player to calm down. Well, she didn't. It was her choice, actually. Uh, and she just, uh, you know, he, he she was still pointing, at, in, a, in my opinion, in a quite aggressive way, to the umpire, so the whole conversation or discussion was really aggressive to to the umpires, and and that is also you know grounds for uh, unspo- uh, code for unsportsmanlike conduct. Uh, he he gave it for uh, verbal abuse, which was uh, which was technically also uh, very correct. So I think there's there's not much to 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 add to that really. In in terms of the discussion over the soft warning, whether whether that could have been applied for the first one, what one of the things that a lot of the ex players have said is that mm. they they feel that the job of an umpire or part of the job of an umpire is to manage the match and make sure that it mm-hmm. that it goes and in a way that is avoiding these sort of flare ups and the and and to diffuse situations. Do mm-hmm. you, do you agree with that? I do agree in principle. Well, it's one of the responsibilities of the umpires uh, to to try and conduct the matches the matches in a in the most uh, smooth way. Huh? But uh, it's not entirely up to the umpires. Uh, you know, uh, they're not in control of the events. So um, yes, I can do my best in the chair. You know, to to try to calm you down. But uh, if for some reason you you don't want to or you you cannot. It's really out of my 
my hand. So that's when the, the code of conduct comes into effect. That's a tool for the, uh, for the umpires to use to control the match. It's not to punish a player, but, but rather to control a match. And, and one thing that um, we tend to forget uh, in, uh, when it comes to these discussions is that there is also another player on the other side of the net that uh, maybe she had different thoughts. I mean, we've gone through also, the, uh, unfortunately, at the US Open, we've gone through also controversy over an umpire coaching a player, right? And, and we all agree that this is, this is wrong. And so I think it's, it's, yes, it's important to try and, and control the match with the tools you have, but it's, it's not entirely up to the umpire. It's out of their hands to uh, the end result. Okay. The player is the main actor there. So you do the best you can with, uh, with the tools you have also depending on, on the player's behavior. Yeah, you, you reference there without naming the situation, the, the mm. Mohamed Layani Nick Kyrgios situation mm. where he where he came down from the chair. You mentioned that one of the things Carlos seemed to be doing was not speaking too much, and obviously you've got all the noise in the stadium, and I and and Mohamed actually came out of his chair. Yeah, is are you more comfortable as an umpire with Carlos's handling in in as much as he kept his distance more? Many times, actually, I've come down from the chair to talk to to the players because there was well, for for different reasons, but um, mainly because there was a lot of noise in the stadiums, uh, particularly in Davis Cup matches where there, you know there's a partisan crowd and and all of that. So you you want the player to hear what you what you have to say, and you want to hear what what he what he has to say to you, right? So that's that's one reason. Another reason is because you want to have a, a more private conversation out of the microphones and and so nobody you know can listen to what you're going to say and and the language that the player may be using and so on so i have no problem with that uh, and it's not really to compare the the two situations but specifically about the the women's final i think uh, carlos did his best i mean he was calm he was a uh, his body language was very i think was very good was very proactive was opening a door for serena to express herself uh, but but again you know uh, she was using, you know, quite an aggressive uh, body language. So uh, there's only so much you can do huh? uh, when you're in the chair in this in this situation. So uh, let's not forget. I mean, we're talking about one of the both. I mean, Mohammed and, and Carlos are probably two of the most renowned, best, and most experienced and respected officials. So it's not we're not talking about the situation that was handled by someone who started you know, a year ago. No, no, we're talking about somebody who's who's done Serena's matches uh, many times and Grand Slam finals and Davis Cup, Olympics and so on, that was was using his experience in the best possible way to to conduct the match in a in a smooth way. But umpires uh, in my in my view should not aim to to be the center of the tension, but sometimes they are thrown to the spotlight because of the nature of the event. So, and I think that that was really the situation on on, on Saturday. A, a number of former players, including Billie Jean King, questioned whether the actions taken by Carlos would have been sa- the same if it had been a male player that that he was talking to. It seems to me a, v- a very difficult situation to to actually give any evidence to either side how how can we how could that ever be tested but for for you as an umpire is it any different handling a match with a female player and a male player 
No, no, not at all. I mean, when I, I mean, the times, uh, you know, the 20 years that I've been in the chair, I've never, ever treated anyone different. Um, it didn't matter if it was a, it was, it was a male or a female or a father or a mother or a top player or unseated or really, I mean, when you go up in the chair, you do the best you can. You deal different with, uh, with, with the players according to their personalities and the moments of the match. It's different to, to speak to, um, I don't know, to Andy Roddick in the first game of the match to, you know, then when he's down uh, a set and a break and he's uh, probably, you know, in the heat of the, in the moment, there's a lot of emotions, etc. You know, I, I'm using the example of Andy because he was somebody who's obviously a very smart guy. He knew the rules and he was testing the umpires. And so you, you have to, you have to, to adapt to to each situation, uh, but you don't make a difference. It's it's really the the situation that makes the difference, and you adapt to it, right? Yeah. Now you mentioned early on the the support, or more importantly, the lack of support of the governing bodies, meaning the USTA mm. and the WTA, who both released quite quick statements to to, to doubt the conduct of Carlos Ramos in the chair that night. And and Katrina Adams, the head of the USTA, also went on television and spoke about how it had been mishandled in in, in her view. And and uh, the ITF subsequently, who you were the, the head of officiating for the ITF for a number of years, mm-hmm. they subsequently the following day released a statement unequivocally backing Carlos Ramos and the decisions that he took. What were your views when you heard the criticism uh, and the responses of the governing bodies? Yeah, I was, I was first of all, I was surprised uh, how quickly they responded. And I was very sad. Uh, I think it was um, the governing bodies obviously are doing, you know, a lot for the sports, uh, along with the players, with, uh, with everybody involved in the, in, in, in the sport, right? The officials, uh, journalists. I mean, we're all for the same course, uh, you know, for the good of the sport, right? Uh, so I think that, that also comes with responsibility and and the responsibility of the governing bodies in my view or one of them is, is to stand for what's right for the sport and officiating is part of the sport as a as i say and it carries a lot of uh, good values uh, values such as fairness equality sportsmanship respect and that should not be forgotten and that was the perfect in my opinion that was a perfect opportunity to highlight those values that officiating represents, and uh, and to say, yes, why not? I mean, the officiating was actually uh, conducted in a proper way. Without, without that doesn't mean that it's an attack on 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 the player. Uh, to try and not to attack or to criticize the player's uh, behavior, which is fine if they don't want to do that. That doesn't mean that you have to criticize the the officiating. And the the main problem I have, David, with uh, with that response was a uh, quick response was that. That uh, it, it didn't come from uh, from an officiating spokesman. It came from obviously the the governing bodies. But uh, I don't blame Katrina Adams for not being an expert of officiating. <laughs> so, um, but of course there should be someone in these occasions that uh, takes the time to review, to talk to the umpire, to to hear his views and and go through the procedures, listen to the players well take a, a good read of the situation and then come out with a statement. I think it was necessary to make a statement about the, the officiating because that was put into question by, you know, not just the 
Serena, but uh, you know, former players and journalists and stuff. So I think it's it's fair enough to make a statement, but make it with the right, with all the facts and with the view of a, of an expert. I would not like to to go out to the to the press and and particularly nowadays with all the social media, etc., to talk about something that I don't. I'm not an expert. I need to have the uh, the advice from from those experts, right? So I. I think it was a, a too quick reaction, um, and uh, it was a very unfortunate that that they didn't take that, the opportunity to to support the officiating and make it clear for everyone that it was it was correct. I mean, the the fact that that she was fined afterwards, I think it's also an indication that um, that yes, uh, they agreed with the steps taken, right? Yeah, yeah, that that is that is what happened. I know you haven't spoken to Carlos. He he's due to to umpire at the Davis Cup this weekend. Ironically, United States against uh, Croatia in the semi-finals. Right. If if you were in his position, having gone what through what has happened over the last weekend, would you be okay umpiring the next weekend? Yeah, of course. I mean, this is this is not an easy situation for Carlos. Eh? Um, far from that, but. Uh, He's very experienced. Uh, um, I think he got the support from from his peers for sure. I mean, he got a lot of uh, support from players, from different um, stakeholders, but uh, definitely from his peers. Um, and he's experienced enough to know that hey, you know, life life goes on. He has a, an important Davis Cup semi final match in in Croatia. Two great nations, and it's gonna be. As always, in Davis Cup, amazing atmosphere. And I'm sure he's going to be, yeah, oh, my advice to him, if I can give him any advice, uh, is, is to just uh, carry on as normal, you know, low profile, uh, keep it low profile, of course, do do the best he can. And, and, and it's going to be different players, of course. It's going to be a captain, two captains sitting there. And, 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 and the rest, the politics, uh, if you want to say, you know, should be dealt, you know, by the right, by the right people. I think there's, there should be some discussions. I hope there are some discussions, uh, of course, for the good of officiating to address the issues because um, because this all controversy, this brings a good opportunity to to review the whole whole mechanism of how do we react to to the controversy, uh, how do we deal with that, and so but that should be dealt by not Carlos himself, but uh, you know the, the officiating representatives and the governing bodies, of course. Do, do umpires need their own? kind of governing body so that they have a spokesperson yeah that's an interesting question and of course uh i'm aware that there's well there, there has been some debate uh, over the years when i was uh, the head of officiating actually there was quite some talk about that uh, in my view I, I don't think it's 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 bad if there is some sort of association um uh, of umpires but to be honest with you it was not i don't think it was much needed when the governing bodies were really, really supporting officiating, you know, back in the years. I feel that uh, perhaps, you know, this situation has highlighted this uh, this lack of uh, support. Why, why has it changed? Why has it changed, Enrique? I don't understand. I, I don't know either. I don't know, and I don't have all the facts right now. But uh, but it's clear that it was it was not uh, the right uh, reaction and response by the governing bodies. So. If this is uh, now an opportunity for umpires to come closer and uh, defend their rights uh, in a better way and and have a clearer uh, communication with the governing bodies, 
that's I think that's that's good. Uh, it, I have no problem with that. There's been obviously talk about uh, going on strike and this and that. I think this is a, this would be bad. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Would would you, as an official, want to be able to speak yourself after a match like that? Would you want to be able to have a reporter come on behalf of all the reporters and just say, "What were you? Th- why did you do what you do uh, straight after a match? Because that doesn't happen now. Would you like it to be able to? Um, <laughs> sometimes you would, but I don't think it would be, it would be appropriate. Because um, I think it's important that you have... Uh, have time to review, you know, to reflect on the match, to go um, to review the procedures, what happened, and and together with a uh, in in this case it was a, a top umpire with a lot of experience. But it's always good to sort of a uh, to contrast your views with uh, with somebody who's been watching the match, you know, courtside or you know a senior official as well, um, and and to come out with the right statement and not not emotionally. If I do. You know, if I come off a, a match, uh, a heated match uh, with some, you know, with some uh, situations there, maybe I'm not uh, in the best sort of uh, uh, situations to 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 express myself and send the right message, the right officiating message. Um, so I think it's, it's it would be good to 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 have somebody that can speak on behalf of the umpires. So a, a spokesman, a representative. There are. Let's not forget. Well, back in the days when I was the head of officiating, yes, I did have to to comment on uh, on different situations uh, about you know Grand Slam or Davis Cup or whatever, and and of course I took the time to uh, to discuss with the umpire, to discuss with the supervisor who was sitting courtside, or you know, you, so you take all all that information and then you issue a statement or or, or a comment. But I don't think the the umpires individually should go out to the media. Uh, and, and particularly uh, straight after a match. Yeah. Final question, Enrique. From your career, you I think you were in four Grand Slam 
singles finals, couple of Olympic finals, Davis Cup finals. You, you you did everything really. What what was the toughest situation you ever had to deal with? Oof, uh, toughest situation. Uh, I could not single out one in particular, but but. Uh, you know, uh, in general, I think the the the, the biggest challenges came, uh, you know, when officiating uh, Davis Cups because of the, the the crowd element, the partisan crowd element, right? So um, you not only have to deal with uh, with uh, with the players and their emotions, also the captains. Let's not forget. <laughs> so you also have to deal with uh, with the partisan crowd and to control, you know, a large crowd like I don't know. You we've been many times to different places uh, where they're so enthusiastic and so passionate for the sport and for their team. Like, uh, I don't know, I remember, you know, going to Argentina. It was, it was, it was always, I was always looking forward to, to be sent to Argentina because uh, that would give me the biggest challenge. You kind of um, uh, develop techniques to, to control the crowd, but you always uh, learn new ways. Right. And, and I, I remember I was, you know, I tried to focus on the sort of the leader of the, of the the drummer or the leader of the of the the fan club or whatever or Maradona who was sitting there and then if you controlled Maradona you know uh, Diego then uh, the rest would be would be fine so I think it was uh, you know jokes apart it was uh, it was Davis Cup no I, I could not single out one one particular situation uh, I was lucky enough uh, that all the sort of um, you know all the Grand Slam finals that uh, that I umpired uh, run quite smoothly. So, um, so yeah, I was lucky for that, but, uh, yeah, in general is, is, is the, is dealing with emotions, right? Yeah. So just like Carlos, uh, had to deal with, uh, with that situation because of the emotions of the player. How do you deal with the ringleader of, of the noise? You, you mentioned Diego Maradona. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you do that? Yeah, it's a, well, uh, you know, changing eye contact and, uh, trying to be friendly, as friendly as you can. So they feel that, uh, that uh, you're on their side, but at the same time, you know, firm enough to to tell them, hey, now it's enough, right? And so if you establish, if you use, you know, your communication skills, your body language, uh, sometimes I was even uh, going, you know, before a match uh, to talk to to, to that group of, uh, of uh, people and, and explain, you know, what we were expecting in terms of uh, behavior, crime behavior, you know, that we wanted, obviously, we want this to be a great event, you know, a fun, uh, a fun match. Uh, but, but at the same time, we want to keep it uh, fair uh, to, to the opponents, to the other team. So um, you explain that. Uh, and, and of course, there are some people that would, would not follow your advice. And then that's why you have, again, you know, in this case, the partisan crowd rule, right? Uh, so the code of conduct uh, for the teams. And if you have to use it, it's there to use it, right? But yes, you, you try to establish a, a good uh, rapport, good communication. So they they look at you and they follow your advice. It's not always easy and it's not always uh, successful, but uh, but it's a, it's a nice, nice challenge, actually. Fascinating, uh, Enrique. So, so much, so enjoyable to speak to you. I'm sure our listeners have enjoyed hearing from you. They'll have seen you in the chair all those years, and and you're still on the tennis scene now, aren't you? Because you represent players. 
Yes, I am. Uh, as, uh, you know, as I joke uh, often, uh, you know, with my former colleagues, I moved to the dark side, right? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, since uh, actually it's going to be five years now, um, I've been representing athletes, players, tennis players in particular. I'm a partner at a, at a company called Tenium uh, based out of uh, Barcelona. And we, we do manage players like Feliciano Lopez, like Tommy Roberto, Sorana Kirsta and, 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 and so many more. Uh, and we also and we also run events. So we have the events, uh, the ATP events in in Buenos Aires. Now coming up in in Antwerp, uh, the 250 in Antwerp, and and so we have different interests in the sport. So it's 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 a great uh, it's a great platform for me to stay involved in in the game and with the with the sport uh, that I love and that I'm passionate about. Do, do you miss the chair at all? Um, no, I don't, uh, but I do have great memories, uh, obviously my career and all the, and all the emotions when, when things like that happen, of course, I, I, I sort of, uh, rewind, <laughs> uh, my brain and I go back to situations where I faced uh, similar, you know, yeah, similar situations and it's a great, great memory. I have to say, uh, I enjoyed a really good career. I was, you know, I was quite lucky to have a successful career and, I don't miss it. Uh, I guess if, if I moved to a different job that didn't allow me to travel or to stay connected with the sport and to see my my former colleagues, friends, and and the whole industry, then then I would miss it more. But uh, no, now I'm 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 really enjoying it in a different role. Obviously, very close to the players and and trying to provide the the expertise, the advice that I accumulated uh, over the years, uh, which gives me a great pleasure, particularly with the. With the youngsters, I think there's, uh, it's important that they have someone that has a background in tennis, that understands the game and the that everything that goes around, and, and and so that's that's very that's very enjoyable as well. Enrique, lovely to speak to you. Thank you very much for joining us here on the tennis podcast. My pleasure. Thank you very much, and uh, and have a good one, David. Take care. So there's Enrique Molina, who is as well-placed as just about anybody from an officiating standpoint. Similar experience in his career to that of Carlos Ramos. And, uh, well, make your own minds up. Um, it's it's a debate that has continued all week long. I don't think it's about to end now, uh, but hopefully Enrique's contribution there will give you some further food for thought. This has been the Tennis Podcast. Catherine and myself, we will be back on Monday with a new show to uh, run through what happened over the Davis Cup weekend. Hopefully it's going to be a cracking weekend. Great Britain are in a tie, uh, in a uh, playoff tie. Doesn't mean as much as it would have done because of all the changes that the ITF are making to the competition for next year. Uh, but still, it'll be interesting. Great to see Leon Smith and all the team and British Tennis and Tennis Scotland putting on a kids' day, which which looked fantastic. Uh, yesterday, 3,000 kids turning up to, to greet the team. And... Uh, yeah, we'll we'll go over the semi-finals of the, of the Davis Cup as well, and uh, be back with you on Monday. Look forward to speaking to you then. We've been executive produced by Melanie Bowes, Triple S, Tennisballs.com. Our mascot is Charlie the Ferret. Our sponsors are the Manga Club and, of course, Amazon Prime Video UK. And keep an eye on the Telegraph, our partners, and we'll speak to you soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.